Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. You're listening to Linux in the Ham Shack. LHS is a podcast about Linux, open source and amateur radio for everyone. Now here are your hosts, Russ, K5TUX, Cheryl, W5MOO, and Bill, NE4RD. Well, hello everybody and welcome. You have tuned in to episode number 262 of Linux in the Ham Shack. Tonight, we have an interview for you, and this should be a really interesting one. I've been looking forward to it for some time now. Uh, I'm Russ, K5TUX. Cheryl, W5MOO, is not here tonight, but she'll be back for the next show. And, and I'm Bill. I'm, I'm here. Yeah, I know. I know. Just want to make sure. <laughs> and I'm Bill, NE4RD. Good evening. And uh, we do have our interview guest who we'll introduce now. His name is Howard Nurse, Whiskey 6 Hotel November. And he is the creator of the thing we're going to talk about tonight called the RigPi Station Server, among other things. So welcome, Howard. How are you tonight? I'm doing very well. And hello, Bill and Russ. It's a pleasure to be here. And thank you for inviting me. This is fun. All right. Well, thank you for coming out. We are always appreciative when we ask someone to come on the show and they actually say yes. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um but that being said, I'm going to do this time around what I did not do for our last interview, which was actually introduce the guest and have him talk a little bit about himself. I sort of forgot about that till the end. But this time, since I actually wrote up notes, we're going to have you talk about yourself at the beginning, which is probably good. We would like to know a little bit about yourself, um, how you got into the amateur radio hobby, how long you've been an amateur, and maybe some other interesting facts about yourself you'd like to tell us. Great. Well, thank you again. I've been a ham forever. <laughs> uh, just this year, I celebrated my 60th anniversary as a licensed ham and uh, started back in high school in New Jersey as KN2MSP in the novice days. And uh, I've had a, held a number of calls ever since then. I'm, a, I'm an engineer by profession and by training. And in 1978, I started a company called Comsoft. Our first products were for ham radio. Uh, had a, a radio teletype program, a CW uh, decoder, and a couple of other uh, hardware products that uh, uh, were part of the original offering that we had way back in 78 and 79. Turns out back then ham radio was not a good way to put shoes on the kitties. So uh, the company evolved into other areas and uh, in fact, we had the premier genealogy program for many years, so we were catering to the family history community. But uh, in about 1998, uh, we sold the intellectual uh, property to the uh, genealogy software, and I started back again in ham radio software, which is where I started and, and hopefully where I'm going to end. Ever since 1998, I've had a, uh, introduced a number of, of, uh, programs. Uh, the oldest is called, uh, Comcat, 
It's a logging program for Microsoft Windows. Uh, in 2009, I uh, added a an iOS product called uh, Comcat Mobile, and that's available still on the App Store uh, for free. All the while, I really have been interested in open source software. So uh, the problem is that the software that I had been writing up until about a year and a half ago or so was uh, Microsoft uh, Visual Basic, so it couldn't really be open source. Uh, and uh, in the meantime, I uh, developed a couple of uh, server applications. Uh, the uh, Comcat program has an add-on service called Comcat Live, and that feeds a server that can be found at myqsx.net. And that particular uh, URL will show you uh, all the other folks that are on the air at the moment using Comcat and Comcat Live and Comcat Mobile. So uh, those uh, that server work got me to thinking about what I would like to do next in my life. And uh, that has evolved into the product we're calling RigPi. RigPi is a, as the the uh, uh, as we started out with the introduction, is the RigPi station server. It's a product based on the Raspberry Pi three computer, and uh, it's going to be manufactured along with two additional boards and a case by MFJ. So uh, my interest has been in the software side of it, although I did the original design on an audio interface board and a CW keyer board that uh, all fit into the RSS box. So it's a self-contained station controller that allows you to control your radio, do logging, uh, do spot management, look up calls uh, either on the internal FCC database or through a QRZ lookup. And uh, in addition, uh, we're also going to be including the digital mode, uh, popular digital mode programs pre-installed, uh, WSJTX and FLDigi. Uh, the whole idea is that we wanted to, I say we, meaning MFJ and myself, Martin Drew, K5LFILU, wanted to provide uh, almost an application for folks that didn't want to really get into the coding, but based on uh, open uh, code, that is the entire uh, RSS application is uh, based on the whole alphabet of uh, web tools, PHP, uh, Ajax, all uh, languages, of course, that are open and uh, easy to modify by anybody that has any interest in doing so. But we're trying to make it so that you can plug and play with it, or if you really want to get into it, you can make modifications and and uh, uh, enhance the software in any way that that you wish to. It's all uh, all can be done with a almost with a, a text editor. So uh, this is my first uh, effort to develop an open source product. Uh, eventually, it will be. Uh, on GitHub, but it's uh, at the moment uh, we're trying to get a lot of little wrinkles ironed out of it. 
um, through some careful beta testing, we have uh, a number of beta testers that have the actual prototypes, and they've been a big help as we've gone into uh, the beta phase and hopefully have a product that's ready to go in, in a couple of months. So that's a quick summary of how I got here. I've, I say I've been a ham for 60 years. I'm, I uh, have to also say that uh, I figured I'd stop working on software when I became as old as best regards, if you know what that means. <laughs> so I'm, I'm actually a couple of years beyond that now and still going strong. It's a, it's just a really great way to, to keep life interesting by developing software. Well, I would say that you must enjoy it or you wouldn't still be doing it. Yes. Uh, it's, I've been, uh, gosh, I'd, I haven't counted up the years, but I guess it's 40 years since I, uh, wrote the first RTTY program for the old Heath H8 computer back in 1978. Uh, used cassette loading. It was great. <laughs> 8K of RAM. And of course, everybody knew that nobody was going to need any more than 64K of RAM, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> of course. So, very good. Well, that was a, actually a pretty thorough introduction, and it kind of touched on all of the points that I hope to elaborate on a little bit as we go through the interview here. So, I wanted to start with the hardware part of the station server, the Rig Pi. Um, you addressed kind of how the boards are um, laid out. So, I just wanted to confirm that the Rig Pi itself, is that the software running on the Raspberry Pi and then you stack on the other boards, or is there a third component that I've missed in that description? The whole uh, product uh, includes the RSS software and uh, two additional boards. I know that Martin is talking about different ways of packaging what he wants to sell, but <clears throat> that's pretty much up to him and my involvement is just to, at this point, is really to get the the, uh, the software all nailed down. But he will be selling the uh, RSS package, which includes uh, the part that I'm working on, the digital mode programs, a number of other programs that we've added, uh, PHP My Admin, and, and things like that. So people will have them ready, those kinds of tools ready to go, and they are manufacturing the two uh, add-on boards. You can see a, a photo of it um, on the rigpi.net uh, webpage. So that'll give you uh, an idea of what what the various components will look like. All right, very good. And I know I saw a picture of it, and it will look very much like things that come from MFJ. It'll be a small metal box with lots of features packed into it. And so did you have any input, or did you actually design the hardware portions as well, like the key and the audio board? Yes, I I did the design of uh, both boards originally using the Adobe uh, layout package. And as I mentioned earlier, my background really was electrical engineering. So software, uh, I came late in life into software development in 1978. But uh, the... Uh, uh, I managed to dredge up a few memories of how to design boards and, and uh, all of the electronics involved. So uh, those uh, uh, the, the two boards were my initial design, and then MFJ has been uh, sort of uh, modifying them to fit better into their uh, uh, production cycle, and they've also added some uh, extra I.O. so that they can use their standard connectors for push-to-talk and audio in and out. 
So how do you interface those add-on boards with the Raspberry Pi inside the unit? Is it like connected to the GPOs like a hat or is it just like wired in uh, individually or or what? Is it like stacked together? Yes, it's a it's a sandwich and uh all of the interconnections between the boards are done through the GPIO connector. Um then uh at the end opposite the uh USB and Ethernet connection are the audio ins and outs and keyer and uh uh keying uh circuit out and push to talk connectors. Uh then on the side there are some status lights for push to talk and CW keying, uh a speed control for the CW board. Uh by the way, the CW board uses a K1EL wind keyer chip and uh it's it's amazing what uh uh Steve has been able to do with with that uh uh little uh chip that does all of the keying. So I'm really glad we decided to go ahead and, and use that because it's uh uh adds a lot of power to the entire package. All right, very good. And I know it will be sort of offered as the entire rig by server station as a unit, but will you be offering the other parts of it so that someone can take the software and the two daughter boards and assemble it onto a uh, Raspberry Pi 3 if they already happen to have one? You know, that's a good question. And uh, I know that Martin K5FLU, the owner of MFJ, is uh, has talked about different levels of of uh this, what will be sold. And uh, originally, uh, we were just going to make the two boards available as separate boards that he would manufacture and sell, but it's all come together into a complete package now. The the uh, uh, boards themselves, uh, there will be schematics in the documentation, so uh, you'll be able to see exactly what's going on uh, with the two boards. And uh, I know a lot of folks will just want to buy the, the complete package tested and ready to go, but, but Martin may decide to... Uh, offer the boards separately or the the Raspberry Pi with one or two boards. All right. Very good. And I, I'm kind of going down my list here so I don't forget anything. I'm trying to make it not sound like I'm reading from a list, but it's not probably going to work out. Um, so we know how they're manufactured. MFJ is taking care of that part of the operation for you. Uh, they will be sold as a, as a block and possibly uh, as a kit or something you can assemble into a working unit. So. Um, you also mentioned that you're in beta test mode, so I'm guessing these are not available for public consumption yet. Uh, but when they are, um, do you have a time frame on that? And like, what do you think this will actually hit the market for as a retail cost? Uh, the uh, uh, at this point, it looks like Dayton is the the latest, the the longest wait will be Dayton. If if we try to uh, have it ready for Dayton, it. it is entirely possible that it could be ready before Dayton. The original goal was to have it done by this Christmas, but it takes uh, about two months for MFJ to get the crank turning on producing units. So that means at this point it would be the end of February, probably before they're actually available, but uh, it, it could be uh, on into to March or April at this point. We have... Um, you're right. It's been a beta test now for, uh, gosh, about two to three months. We've had, uh, two different groups of beta testers. The first group, uh, took it from the original, 
uh, conception almost into the uh, point now where it's pretty stable. And uh, I'm trying to iron out a few of some little rough edges that uh, have come up in the meantime. And, and uh, that will um, uh, hopefully get that done in the next few weeks and working on the help that goes along with it. And so it's, it's really just clean up at this point, but we want to make sure it's really stable before we let it fly. Okay, and did you have an idea what the package will cost when you uh, get ready to sell it? That's another MFD decision. I know that uh, Martin has talked about the complete package for being no more than uh, about two ninety nine. I think that's the upper limit. And then if he sells it as uh, boards, separate boards, uh, or the cabinet, it'll obviously be a lot less than that. All right, very good. So I think we've kind of got an idea about the entirety of the hardware package of it, although I do want to ask if the hardware itself, and I think you may have answered this question, but I want to be clear, will it be open in the sense that you could build one yourself? You did say there would be published schematics, so someone could actually build these boards and make their own if they really wanted to do that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, the uh, MFJ, I believe, always includes schematics. Uh, with their instruction manuals, and, I, and this will not be an exception. So uh, there's no reason uh, why uh, somebody couldn't do it, uh, do their own. Uh, it can even be argued that you don't need an audio board. You can just use an audio dongle. This particular design has transformer isolation and several push-to-talk modes, including the ability to power up a an Elecraft KX3, which kind of takes a special little pulse through the push-to-talk line. So there are some things that have been added uh, to this board that aren't necessarily available in a dongle, um, including IQ inputs. It has a two-channel IQ input for uh, for the KX3 and other radios that support that that kind of a technology. All right, very good. So there's a couple of questions coming up in the chat room, which one I want to get to, but I kind of want to get to there by going through a couple other questions. So my first one would be, what kind of audio connections will be included with the unit since it has an audio board? Will it be like a line-in, line-out kind of thing? Yes. Uh, the uh, input side can either be mic input or single or dual line input. The dual line input is used for IQ, the single line input would be used for uh, the speaker out from the from the radio or right to the uh, uh, mic <laughs> mic connection got that a little reversed but the uh, uh, the, the point is that uh, there's also a uh, uh, rj45 connector that will allow you to use any one of the pre-assembled mfj cables uh to to plug into that and then that it, so it's compatible with the accessory jack on uh, for example Kenwood or Icom radios or um the case of uh, radios that don't have an accessory jack it will have the mic and audio connectors at the end of the cable so uh you'll be able to get just a standard RJ45 uh cable that will work with most radios so are you going to be building cables for this, like to go to an 8-pin DIN or a 13-pin accessory connection and stuff like that that will be available as well as the unit? Yes, that is, in fact, carried by MFJ now. The same cables will be used that are used for the, the little digital interface that they have on the market. Uh, they sell the cables for the, for that unit. I believe you get one when you buy the unit, but then you can buy buy them for other radios. 
All right. Does does the rig pie have a serial connection? Uh, no, it has four. Of course, the Raspberry Pi has four USB connectors. So if you need a serial connection, any one of the popular uh, uh, USB to serial adapter cables will work just fine. So uh, it doesn't have uh, the old classic serial ports. Okay, that's fine. But you can use any kind of standard USB to serial converter. But if you have a radio that supports one of the cables that you're building for it, that will handle the audio in, audio out, PTT, and all that. Yeah, that's right. And, of course, many of the new radios have audio already coming through the USB port. And that audio can be used by RigPi in addition. So the, one of the things about RigPi that, uh, that I haven't mentioned is that there's a reason why I wanted to call it a server. The concept is that uh, each radio is sort of like a client uh, on a server. So you can have multiple radios connected, all running simultaneously, all being controlled simultaneously, all being controlled through a browser uh, on any, just about any device. So you could have two or three radios in your shack or one radio in your shack and two radios a uh, hundred miles away and be controlling them all through, uh, through the RSS. And, uh, the, um, uh, so that in the sense that a server, uh, can support multiple, uh, simultaneous clients, uh, the RSS supports multiple connected radios. So it's, a sense, in a sense, it's multiple operator, multiple radio, MOMER, uh, which means that uh, if you need to have audio from more than one radio available, then the use of a dongle would be required since the existing audio board is only uh, only set up for, for one uh, radio connection. The same thing goes for the keyer. In addition to the, the keyer board, you can either... Um, key through CAT if the radio supports that, or through an external uh, WinCure 3 device that uh, you can get from uh, uh, K1EL. So you can have multiple keyers all running multiple radios, multiple audio devices connected to multiple radios, and be controlling all of those radios through separate browsers. Okay, so let me see if I can put that together in my head. So you have, so let's say for example, I had a, um, a rig blaster, which I do. <laughs> um, if I were to use the, the station server, the rig pie and connect a rig blaster to it, I could actually control two radios with the rig pie, basically. Yes. Uh, you're speaking of the audio end of it or the control end. Well, both of, both of them actually, because um, you you said you would you foresee controlling multiple radios through the rig pie, and I'm and I wasn't clear if that meant one rig pie or multiple rig pies with a standard like single singular interface, or if you had a singular interface, you could control multiple radios through one actual rig pie unit. Yes, if you have, for example, I have a an old uh, FT one thousand MP here and a KX three by Elecraft. I can run one of those radios through one USB port, the other radio through the other USB port, open up two independent browsers and have essentially two stations at my disposal completely independent from each other on two separate browsers. All right. So now we've kind of transitioned into the software portion, which is exactly what I wanted to do. 
So before we get to the browser environment, let's, let's talk a little bit about what's underneath the browser environment. So what is the core of the operating system that runs on the Raspberry Pi? Is it a Raspbian derivative that you've customized? No, it's a, a LAMP stack. So it's, uh, although a couple of the programs that I've written are in Python that runs uh, on the Raspbian uh, operating system, but essentially Apache uh, and PHP and, and MariaDB uh, are all uh, loaded onto the uh, Raspberry Pi, and that's the basis for all of the radio control and call sign lookup and CW keying is all being done through that, uh, through the Apache server. Okay, but the Apache is running on Raspbian or do you have your own operating system? Oh no, it's running on Raspbian. Okay, all right. Uh, so, so you could not only could you build the hardware, you could actually build the software if you, if you had the component pieces of the stack. Will that be published on GitHub as the component parts? Like if you wanted to download it and do this yourself? Um, or, you know, if you didn't want to have the, to buy the prepackaged rig pie? It will eventually be available, uh, through that channel. And at the moment, we've been concentrating on making sure the package is all together. But the software that I've written is being released under an MIT license. Okay. Well, an MIT license is very permissive. So people will be able to do whatever they want with it. So that's very nice. Um, <clears throat> so, Okay, so we got Raspbian. We've got your custom code on top of it. Some written in Python. Uh, it's a full LAMP stack, so Linux, um, Apache, MySQL, which I assume you're using MariaDB. Yeah, PHP. Yeah, uh, PHP. So, so most of it's written in PHP. Though you said you have some Python routines. Is that it? Is it encompass all of the languages you're using to build this? Um, the, well, actually, uh, a lot of Java or jQuery. Uh, a lot of AJAX, which is, is right very for the, for the front jQuery, end. of course. Right, right. Yeah, exactly. And but there's no compiled language at all. You don't need to compile anything. No C plus plus. No, no other language that uh, requires compilation. It's all done through ninety uh, percent of it's done through PHP and then HTML code at the uh, browser end. All right, very good. So uh, it'll be compatible with anything, uh, which is nice. Uh, so, so this is a server. It's a standalone machine because it's a Raspberry Pi, of course. It's a computer. So when you want to access your rig through a web browser, you're actually calling up the web browser on the rig Pi. That's, that's where it's being served from. Yes, that is, that is correct. So, uh, you can use it as you, you just said, you can use it on mobile devices, uh, on tablets, on Chromebooks, on Mac, on, uh, Windows. And it's a responsive design. It uses Bootstrap 4, so it all works nicely, no matter what the what the size of the window is. Okay, and I just had a weird question come to my head. Will will the prepackaged unit be powered by 5 volts, or will it be powered by 12 volts? Because it seems to me if you had a 12-volt converter, it might make it actually more convenient, but... Yeah, the, the, the Raspberry Pi, as you know, is native five volts. And so a five volt supply will be, uh, provided with the package. But you're right about 12 volts. I mean, this, uh, concept, because it's so small and low power can be used just about anywhere. You don't have to use it where there are power mains. You can use it in your car or up on top of a hill somewhere. All right. Well, somebody could obviously get a 12 volt to five volt converter to uh, run it off their vehicle without any trouble, I'm sure. 
Um, so let's see. We had a question that referenced Comcat Mobile and the, let's see. Let's talk about Comcat Mobile a second. So that was, at least what I saw on the website, that was actually, was that, was that to built specifically to control the rig pie or is that something else that can also control the rig pie? Uh, that's a good point. I originally designed Comcat Mobile, I think in 2008. So it's been on the App Store, the Apple App Store for, uh, for a number of years. And it was originally designed to talk to Comcat at at home so when you're out on the field you could use a, an ipad or a, an iphone to control your radio uh, but i've also provided the interface in rigpi uh, so that comcat mobile will connect to rigpi just as it would to comcat so you don't need comcat anymore with comcat mobile or the the free uh, program called qsx here that is also available for Comcat Mobile, runs on Windows. QSX runs on Windows and allows you to control your radio. But now uh, a Comcat Mobile, both on the iPad and the iPhone, will interface directly with RigPi. All right, very good. And to follow up with that, we had another question in the chat room from Don, KB2YSI, who was asking about Comcat and wondered what was the connection protocol that it uses uh, in case someone perhaps wanted to make their own client to the rig pie? Uh, the, it's a TCP connection. So it's a single port connection and, uh, very straightforward. And, and the, uh, uh, code as, as we've been talking about will be open. So you can look at that and, and get the protocol. And eventually I want to include that protocol, uh, because I'd love to see, uh, other, uh, apps and other programs interface with RigPi. I think that'd be great. Ah, fantastic. We've, we've had a discussion with, uh, the folks, um, who, yeah, one of my, I'm totally just brain farted there. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, you know who I'm talking about? Flex Radio. Yeah. Flex Radio. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And, and their protocols and, and getting new clients for them and all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's very cool. I like the fact that it's open and people are, are, able to do with it what they want and maybe you will find someone generating new client access to your machine by doing that that's what we love about open source software so uh i and and howard have been doing a lot of talking so i'm going to let bill either follow down the list some more or ask some questions of his own yeah yeah i'm i'm kind of interested in how this became an mfj product good question uh i've known uh martin at MFJ ever since I started CompCat, and uh, that was in the late 90s. I went to Dayton and and talked to him at that time about software in general, and and uh, he ended up getting interested in CompCat Mobile about three years ago and was using the free Windows program QSXer to interface with CompCat Mobile, and uh, uh, he drives back and forth from Starkville, Mississippi to Atlanta frequently and, and wanted to be able to listen to his radio when he was driving without having a radio in the car. So he connected up QSXer to his radio at home and used Comcat Mobile. And, uh, he and I have kept in touch, uh, uh, in the intervening three years. And at one point, a couple of years ago, he said, you know, if you ever want to do anything 
hardware wise, you let me know because I'd like to, I'd like to work with you. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, I have an idea of something that I'd, I've been thinking a lot about. So, uh, this project actually started uh, about a year and a half ago. I went back to the MFJ Day in the Park in October of last year where we uh, gave a sneak preview of the way things were at that time. And uh, it's it's just been uh, great ever since. One of the uh, or the chief engineer at MFJ and I've been working a lot on uh, testing and testing different radios and, and uh uh, testing the software. So MFJ has been extremely supportive. I should also mention that, uh, I, I have a kind of a net connection to historic, uh, the historic past in the sense that, uh, my dad, uh, was associated with Heathkit for many years. So, uh, he and, and, uh, Martin knew each other back in the, the early years as well. And so, uh, I've sort of continued that friendship. Yeah, that's great. That's that's really informative. I always, you know, our our audience is really into open source and stuff like that. So it's interesting to see when uh, an open source project becomes, you know, monetized or something like that. Uh, you know, this is this is kind of equivalent to that sort of. You got to kind of a brainstorm the project and uh, you know, basically found someone to take the product to uh, to market. Um, I'm also interested, I guess, with the MFJ being involved. Uh, to what extent are they controlling the uh, the availability of the software and stuff like that? I mean, I notice you're not on GitHub already. I realize it's it's in early beta stages, but uh, you know, typically in open source projects, that's that's when it's uh, hot and heavy to get uh, users on board and actually uh, uh, helping to to build the product out and uh, and building a, an, an ecosystem of of coders and and users that uh, can contribute back to the project. I'm uh, just kind of interested in uh, what type of, uh, uh, I guess, uh, what type of control uh, MFJ is going to have uh, when the software will actually be released and uh, and how open it will actually be. Uh, that's an excellent question. We, we've talked a lot about that, and uh, I have been uh, very uh, careful to make sure that any of our discussions uh, – require that that we're required to keep it open source i think i i guess my feeling is that if mfj wanted uh uh would want to not make it open source because they have an investment now in the in the hardware end of it and uh they want to make sure that they get a return on that investment which uh you know is going to be more substantial as they start to 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 build these units. But, uh, I think that Martin really understands, uh, after several conversations that we have, have had the importance of, of, uh, keeping it as open as possible. I also, uh, understand, uh, the, uh, benefit to having a lot of people involved in the, in the development of the, uh, the, the whole software infrastructure right from the very start. And uh, that is something that I've, frankly, I've been working myself to get more accustomed to. My entire career has been uh, to develop things in a closed environment. It's been a real learning experience to, to uh, focus on doing something that will be open source. And I'm hoping that in the not too distant future, we'll be able to actually release it and then start to get 
uh, input. At this point, I see RigPy as sort of being the base software that any ham would need. And there are just so many more things that can be done uh, with this concept. And I think the more people that we have contributing to the code base, the better off it's going to be. Yeah, absolutely. That's how we grow open source projects. Um, I guess that was the, the other question I had, I guess, would lead into that. Um, um, oh, gosh. Before you move on yeah, to that, go ahead. though, <laughs> go ahead. I, I do have a quick question. Uh, you mentioned that the software will be MIT licensed, and I was kind of curious whose decision that was. That's my decision. Okay. Uh, I was curious if MFJ had some input into that decision because – you know, MIT licensed software can be forked and converted into something commercial. And I was wondering if there was a reason why you didn't choose something copy left as opposed to MIT. I, I'm not an expert in licensing, but I knew that I wanted to make it as open as I possibly could. Uh, I've been, this has been a full time passion of mine for almost going on two years. And since I'm retired, I really don't need the income from it. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, the software is free and open and uh, MFJ can take advantage of it. And I, and I think that they would prefer to, to, uh, to, to keep it uh, part of the RSS package, at least initially, in order to try to regain some of their uh, commercial uh, investment. Oh, fantastic. I'm, I'm glad that there was an actual uh, thought process behind that because uh, I know it, something as open as Apache, Apache license or MIT license software can, can quickly be subverted. Um, but I, I hope uh, the altruism remains true with MFJ and they actually follow through with that. So back to you, Bill. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. I would assume that they would have, um, you know, possibly like a limited blackout period where maybe they'd hold back on releasing that software uh, to the GitHub or whatever, just to, just to kind of get the product out on the market and uh, finalize any final bugs or anything else like that that might be out there. But uh, well, I guess what I was wondering about, since we're talking, it's going to be driven mainly through the web app and, uh, you know, the LAMP stack and whether that be an API or whatever, as well exposed to the clients. Um, will the underlying Raspbian uh, uh, operating system actually be accessible by the end user? Uh, yes. Um, obviously, uh, you can boot the RSS into the Pixel desktop, which is the Raspberry Pi desktop, and have access to all the programs and applications and development tools that are provided as part of the Raspberry Pi. So uh, the other thing that I've I've done is to uh, create a macro ability in the uh, web API that allows you to uh, create controls or system controls that aren't necessarily supported through direct uh, functions now. Uh, you know, the obvious one is CW canned messages. But I've also put in a, a means to do system calls, which is not going to be enabled by default because that's really dangerous, as you can imagine. Yeah. But, but it will be possible if you're using this in a, a safe environment to call system calls from the uh, ma any macro that you create. 
Oh, interesting. Interesting. So you're going to have a, a, a macroing language on top of the application that a user can uh, basically add hooks to, to uh, develop their own uh, stuff, maybe in the uh, actual uh, web UI or some type of uh, SDK for the UI. Yes, exactly. And, and uh, another thing that we haven't talked about is that uh, RigPy uses the Hamlib uh, radio control libraries uh, for both uh, radio control and rotor control. So uh, those uh, libraries can be accessed through macros. You can also use the direct W command on Hamlib to write radio native cat control commands to the radio. Uh, you can create CW macros. Uh, and then there's some special purpose mac macros like uh, rotor control, start and stop the rotor, uh, tune your radio, TR control, uh, so that, that the uh, uh, there is a fairly uh, complete set of macro commands that you can add yourself and take advantage of in, in using the Hamlib libraries. Yeah, that's very good. That's that's awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of some more questions here. Uh, I know I had some in my mind, but uh, Rust, what else do you have? All right. Well, while you're trying to remember what you wanted to ask, I'm going to jump back to the end of my list of things on the software side of the RigPi and ask about the RigPi network, which is something I saw on the website. And this sounds interesting. So can you tell us about that? Yes, there isn't a whole lot that's been developed at this point, but I got intrigued by the number of uh, efforts there are to do networking uh, outside of the cellular uh, system or outside of the internet. And, uh, that a lot of that's being done on the Raspberry Pi. So I don't see any reason why it wouldn't be possible to have a complete, uh, network of rig pies running, uh, even at great distances by using HF, uh, or VHF control links. So this is, uh, an area for future development and one that I hope we can get other people interested in too. That would be cool. All right. Very good. <clears throat> it's always nice to see a project that is kind of forward thinking and has ideas for the future, uh, other than just the, the goal of getting the thing out and putting it onto the market. So I guess I just thought of something else I wanted to talk about, which is how do you see integration? I'm going to ask a, a sort of a broad question here and see if you can nail down a good answer to a really broad question. Um, how do you see integration of the rig pie with things like Echolink, IRLP or Allstar? That's the, those are the kind of applications that I was thinking about when you asked your last question. So, uh, uh, anything that's Raspberry Pi based now or available on, uh, Raspbian or on Linux are candidates for integration into the RigPi, uh, system. So I, I look forward to that in the, in the future as, as we get these, uh, loose ends all calm down here and tamed and and uh, put to bed, then that's going to open up the uh, possibility for looking at some of those other very exciting kinds of possibilities. Well, I could foresee that you could actually use a RigPi server station to just run SVX link natively. I mean, you have all of the parts of it right there. You connect it to a radio, set up the software, and away you go. Yeah, and I was, uh, of course, when we started this, uh, the RigPi uh, project, it was uh, Puerto Rico. And my thought then was, this would be an ideal neighborhood 
uh, drop them in communications device because it uses uh, Mumble. The Mumble server runs on the Raspberry Pi, so you can connect as many users as you want uh, within the resource limitations of the of the uh, Raspberry Pi itself. But it would be great for allowing uh, communications even for non-hams and uh, complete with texting and and uh, that's another benefit to to using uh, using Mumble. Uh, we're using Mumble here as part of the uh, t- to, to conduct the podcast, but uh, with Mumble on RigPi, you can connect radios or any other communications devices you want. So do you see any problem necessarily? Because I'm assuming you'd have a direct connection or a direct interface between Mumble and the audio interface on the box, so you could actually take a Mumble you know, conference straight out onto um, an RF uh, transmission um, is it something you're looking at doing, or there's no reason why it can't be done. And uh, in fact, uh, the other night, Tom Medlin, W5KUB, and I ran some experiments, and uh, I connected to his uh, RigPi Mumble server from here, and I could then essentially control his. Uh, at least feed audio back and forth to a station. I can control it through a browser. But uh, you might worry a little bit about security in that case. And so RigPi is set up with security levels. And uh, the admin accounts will all have a, a security level of one. And there are 10 different levels available. Uh, each one of those levels can be used to uh, prevent access to certain functions. For instance, you might want to prevent access to the PTT switch, or you might want to access, uh, not be able to access the user account database. So all of those, uh, security levels are in place now so that you can, uh, control who gets access to what. All right, excellent. So did you think of anything, Bill? Because if not, that kind of leads smoothly into the actual interface of the rig pie. But if you had something else to add, I definitely want you to get it in here. Oh, man, I'm talking skiing in the chat room. <laughs> uh, uh, way to keep up with the I show. I know, I know. I get so distracted. <laughs> I saw something shiny and I went for it. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 it's all very good. It's very, very interesting. And, um, I mean, we, we talk about rig, you know, our, you know, pies all the time and how versatile they are and, and everything you do with them. And, uh, this is, this is just such a, a great project, um, that I'm sure many people are interested in, especially when it becomes open source. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, I already have a signal link. I have a, I have a, you know, rig control through the, uh, <laughs> through the ICOM radio and everything else. It's like the only thing I need is the, is the software to run it all. So, uh, yeah, no, let's, uh, let's, let's keep on going and, and head in your direction there, Russ. All right. Well, I'm going to take this opportunity to tell Sean to stop distracting you so we can actually conduct our program. <laughs> and uh, so we'll try and move uh, semi-smoothly on into the interface. And we've gotten really down into the RigPi hardware and software. And I know that uh, Tom Medlin has actually put out a YouTube video where he kind of addresses uh, the actual web-based interface from the RigPi. So there's actually a video out there where you can kind of see it for yourself uh, in its demo form, at least. And, uh, but I would like you, if you would, Howard, to kind of 
give us an idea of like when you connect to it through Comcat mobile or when you connect to it through your, you know, your browser, what you're actually going to see. The, uh, uh, log on screen is the first thing you'll see. You put in your username and password. And the first window that will open is the tuner window. Uh, the way it's set up now, if you're a new user is that it automatically connects to the ham live dummy radio. So it's a running controller when you start it up for the first time. Uh, the, the initial login will just be done with an admin, uh, the, the password of admin. And there is no password, uh, set up when you open it, at, start it as a new user. So you go to the next thing you'll want to do is go to the user settings, uh, and put in your call, put in a username and, uh, uh, put in a password. And that's all you really need to get going. And the next thing you'll do is, is go to the radio settings, select your radio and, uh, uh, Hamlib, uh, manufacturer and the radio from that list, from a list that's provided, set up the baud rate if necessary, um, and the, uh, port and, uh, that connects your radio. So at that point, uh, it's, it's essentially operational and, and, uh, ready to use. Okay, so from that, the the interface that you see, is that strictly, have you taken, like, basically abstracted the HamLive layer into a web interface so you have control of the rig? And then, for example, if you wanted to use the Rig Pi to run PSK31, you would then just launch FLDG with the Rig Pi configured um, as your radio interface and then go from there. Yes, uh, the FLDG and WJSTX b- uh, both use, both support Hamlib. So the ideal way to set that up, if you're interested in digital modes, is to have RSS, the, the uh, station server, be in control of your radio. And it's uh, configured so that you can synchronize any logged contacts uh, made through FL Digi or WSJTX, uh, will synchronize with the log that is set up in, uh, in RigPi. So, uh, you can control from RigPi, control frequency, or control frequency from the digital mode program, and logged contents are automatically, uh, uh, transferred over. So you'll see mode, follow the mode of FL Digi, for example, you log a contact in FLDG and it then appears in your log in RigPi. All right. So maybe to clarify that a little bit, does RigPi configure it and then your interaction with the applications that are on top of it, are they connected to the server using another server internally? Like, for example, Rig Control D, is that how you would connect FLDG to the server or, you know, using TCP and, and, uh, you know, RPC and stuff like that using the, the APIs that are, uh, you know, uh, exposed from those applications like Rig Control D, or do you connect directly to it? It's, uh, all the communication is done for, uh, control purposes is done through, uh, Rig Control D. Uh, actually, it, uh, will be Rig Control on the slave unit and, uh, the Rig Control D, the daemon is running uh, inside of the, the master controller, which in this case would be rig pi. Um, so the frequency and mode, uh, control is done through the hamlib 
interface. The logging uh, uses the uh, internal logging capabilities of, of the two programs. Uh, uh, one, I, I'm a little bit rusty on this. It's been a long time. I think one is, is done under UDP, and the other one is done through uh, a file updating mechanism, of, like a intermediate file with a log information. But the important thing is that the user doesn't have to worry about setting all that up. It's all done for you. So in the operating system on the rig by what applications are available to the user just out of the box? The uh, uh, normal Raspberry Pi Raspbian set includes uh, a wide variety, as you know, of development tools and writing. I've also added a an email client uh, and other development tools such as phpMyAdmin. Uh, so the uh, Raspbian side uh, uh, supports any, that's where you'll run WSJTX and uh, FLDigi are both running under Raspbian, but the uh, phpMyAdmin and all of the um, RSS services are all run under the uh, Apache Linux side. So what other amateur radio applications are on the rig by by default other than WSJTX and uh, FLDG, if anything? Well, the, the uh, uh, TQSL is provided, so you can use LOTW, and RigPi supports LOTW imports and exports. Uh, so that is a menu item on the Raspberry Pi. Uh, there are also several adjunct programs that I haven't played much with that are provided on the Raspberry Pi side having to do with FL Digi. There's FL Message and, and, uh, uh, another FL Digi program that is installed when you, when you do the install. So, uh, those are the main or the only other radio, ham radio apps that are provided. Okay, but of course it's a Raspbian distro, so you could add anything else that you wanted to and, and operate it as you, as you see fit. And I did see from the interface, from the video that Tom did, that uh, you have created your own interface to the Hamlide. Um, you, that's where all the Ajax and the JavaScript and all that stuff comes in. It actually looks very nice and very clean and fairly modern, which is something we kind of lack a little bit when it comes to amateur radio in the open source world. So it's kind of nice to see how that, how that really looks. It does look very nice. Um, well, ahead. thank you. I, I, a large part of that has to do with bootstrap that, uh, the, uh, Twitter boots, bootstrap has just been a godsend. All right. Very cool. So. I, I mean, we could probably talk about this thing forever, but uh, it's still in the beta phase, and you and you have a lot of work left to do before this thing comes out. It'll be, it'll be really nice to see it if it comes out uh, at or before Hamvention. I can't wait to to actually see one of these things. Um, so let's see. I, I put in here doing a deep dive into the operating specifics, which I'm definitely not going to do because that's uh, a little bit of that's already been done, and we probably would have a four hour long show if we did that. So. Um, Maybe uh, I can ask you to address anything that we maybe forgot to ask about some, you know, highlights or points that you maybe wanted to specifically mention about the rig pie uh, before we move on. Well, the uh, it's uh, interesting to see once you get into using it. The, uh, for instance, the spots capability. I uh, added that 
uh, one of the first uh, main menu functions I wanted to put in. And uh, it allows you to, to select any Telnet site you wish for spots, uh, spot collection. And then the spots window allows you to sort and filter spots depending on your own particular needs. But you can also open up another browser with the same radio and choose a different uh, spot source. So you could have several spot sources running all at once, all controlling the radio, uh, the single radio, um, or controlling several radios. The uh, web interface is uh, a hangover from the uh, genealogy days. It uh, started out life back then as a, a window we called the instant web page. It builds a web page uh, uh, on the window based on the, the call letters that you've entered. So you can enter a call and it builds almost like a personal web page for that station, including all the details from the call sign lookup. Uh, includes a Google map that you can browse. It includes a flag of the country and, and another number of other uh, uh, additions to personalize the information about the station. Each window itself has its own place to search for a call up at the top. So you put in a call uh, such as any 4RD in the search for a call window. And uh, in fact, I can, I'm looking at a, uh, uh, rig pi so happens right now I put in uh, ne4rd and push enter and up comes the information for for William S Stearns Billings Montana county latitude longitude distance uh, WPX this is all from the internal FCC uh, database that's provided, which users can update at any time, because of course that changes, uh, and onboard databases that have to do with entity lookup and zip code lookup and all those sources are all included in the RigPi, so you don't need to go to an outside server. This little window that's available on every uh, main uh, RigPi window also allows you to start and stop a rotor. So it gives you an indication of the uh, actual uh, bearing of your rotor, and you can rotate uh, to the bearing of the station that you looked up or stop the rotor. So there's a lot built in that I think folks will really begin to appreciate. And, uh, of course, I left off the, the uh, whole iOS point is that Comcat Mobile has a watch app. So you'll be able to control your radio from your Apple Watch from anywhere in the world. Well, excellent. I'm sure the Apple Watch users out there will be uh, really keen about that. So so you've obviously hooked into Rock Control D and Rate Control D and all those other things, uh, the Ham Live and all that stuff. Uh, now, you mentioned the uh, DX Cluster. Did you build the DX Cluster client yourself in such a way that if there, if you're seeing a spot, you can like click on a spot and it will control the rig, go to that frequency, etc.? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's uh, it. it uh, uh, tunes the radio. There's also a, uh, a band spotter window, uh, a graphic uh, display of, of like a band spread dial that shows all the spots. You can click on any spot that you see on the, uh, the, the spotter window in that format, and it tunes. Also, when you go that the call that you have uh, uh, clicked on goes into the lookup call automatically, or it primes the lookup 
function and it will also prime your log. So when you go to the log, all the information from the uh, spot and from your call book lookup will populate the log. All right. Excellent. This sounds like a really interesting product and I can't wait to take a look at one. You know, I'm, I'm open to be a beta tester <laughs> if you still have one lying around. Yeah. I can't, I can't go without like throwing that in there, right? Cause if you don't ask, then it doesn't happen. Well, so. you know, <laughs> uh, drop me a, an email because I would really like to involve some beta testers that understand, uh, the development process. Most of the beta testers we've had so far are excellent in terms of finding issues and UI issues, but it would be great to have somebody involved that understands what a what an Ajax call is. Okay, well, I will definitely send you an email then. <laughs> uh, so but, you know, we're probably going to wind this up now because I think we have uh, generated a lot of great information about the rig pie. Uh, I do want to open it up to the chat room in case anyone in there has any final questions for Howard before we let him uh, get on with his life. Um, in the meantime, if you would, Howard, if there's uh, any sites you want to mention where people can find information or if there's any contact information you want to give out that will allow people to get in touch with you specifically, if you want people to get in touch with you, I'm not sure that, you know, that's always the case. Um, but let people know where the project, uh, and the component information and where you can be found if you'd like. Great. Well, the simplest way to answer that is rigpi.net. There's a contact us forum. Us is me. <laughs> so uh, that's the easiest way to get a hold of me. And uh, the other place to watch for information is from uh, W5KUB.com. Uh, uh, Tom has been doing a great job of talking about RigPi and showing it. So that's another way you can learn more about what's happening. All right. I've, I've learned, uh, like I said, a lot of information from them. He's actually the, the show you wound up not actually being on for him. The first one is the one where I learned about the Rick Pie in the first place. Uh, so thanks to Tom for putting that out there and, and letting everyone know about it. Um, and I appreciate you providing us and filling in a lot of details about the program or not the program. Well, it is a program. It's a, it's a whole thing. It's a product. So, uh, and I can't wait to see it out in the wild. So. I'm, I'm looking at the chat room, and I yeah, think I don't the, s- the skiing conversation has died down a bit. So. <laughs> yeah, I don't see anything more from the chat room. I did I did have two questions that I penciled down here. Uh, oh, good. Hopefully, they're not uh, uh, too terrible. So I guess uh, one question is about the beta testers. Uh, we, we're talking about rig control D. We're talking about rotor control D. Um, do, are, are you currently do you currently have a in the beta testers people that are actively doing a satellite with uh, with their uh, rig pi? No. Not yet. Okay, I was I was kind of wondering about that just to see how uh, how it plays in the satellite field. I'm sure uh, I'm sure that would be interest of interest to some of our users. I know KB2YSI is a big satellite guy. I'm not sure how much he does at home. He does mostly in field, but uh, yeah, I, I'm assuming a lot of people are, are doing a, a satellite work, and and uh, that that tends to be a bone of contention for uh, various logging programs and stuff like that when the, <laughs> when the rubber meets the road. Um, and the other question I had is about the actual, um, I guess it would be more lower level in the rig pie of how you're actually uh, transporting audio on the rig pie. Are you using uh, pulse audio to transport the audio or using Jack or, or using something like WebRTC or, or what's actually handling the audio uh, handoff between the device and uh, let's say uh, mumble. It's, it's all being done with pulse audio. So uh, things like also mixer and, and uh the other other program that I've loaded is uh uh 
uh, Audacity. So uh, it it uses just the industry standard uh, Pulse Audio. Okay, yeah, that's that's fine. I just I just want to know if anything anything else was magically under there. <laughs> we uh, we did, just did a show a little while back on uh, Jack Audio and and doing a uh, complex audio routing. So uh, I was just interested to hear uh, what you guys were using. But yeah, yeah, for your for your instance, Pulse Audio with uh, with uh, with all the uh, effects, not effects, but uh, the extensions on it for handling the uh, handoffs and stuff like that would probably be the best. Yeah, I've looked at Jack, and uh, as we know, it's uh, a little bit complex to get going, so it would be an ideal candidate to include, and I just haven't had time to think too much more about it than to look at it and and learn about it. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly where I am. (laughs) I've looked at it. It looks really interesting, and that's where it sits. Yeah. Yeah, and then we're going to have another abstraction on top of that called Pipewire, so uh, look forward to that one, too. Oh, anything that's got a pipe can't be all bad. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that, that definitely depletes uh, the extra questions that I, I kind of had penciled down here. And the chat room still looks pretty quiet. So I think it's uh, I think it's about that time. I think it's fair to say that we have exhausted the information that we probably should get to tonight, like I said, without making this a four-hour-long program, because I, I, there's lots more we could dive into. But I know we'll be hearing a lot more about the rig pie as time goes on, especially as it gets pushed uh, more towards actual release. So uh, we're looking forward to see what comes of the project. And I you know, definitely uh, hope to get involved in some way, at least. And uh, so we'll say thank you again, Howard, for uh, spending your time with us tonight and telling us all about the rig pie. And I look forward to where it goes in the future. Well, I want to thank both of you very much, Bill and Russ. Uh, you're doing a great service. I must say that I wasn't aware uh, naughty me wasn't aware of of your podcast and i have uh just now started to to listen a lot i w- listened originally just to get a feeling for what you were doing and it's it's most oppressive so watch your uh, mailbox for the mfj catalog it will be called the mfj one two three four so that's uh that is uh, pretty exciting for me, and uh, I hope we'll f- get a lot of uh, folks that uh, want to give it a try. Well, that's excellent, and I can't wait for it. I'm glad you managed to get like the the best uh, serial number in the MFJ catalog. <laughs> I mean, one, two, three, four. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? And it's the real power of this program that we're able to do 260 episodes and have so many people not know we've done it. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay you're hardly the only one so uh anyway thanks again um and i hope we get to a chance to talk to you again in the future maybe after the thing has been released and and we get to get some real field experience with it and, and uh other input from other users when the thing goes live great i'll look forward to it all right take care so uh that was howard nurse whiskey six hotel november uh, creator of the rig pie, which will soon be released from MFJ. Can't wait to see that happen. Uh, but before we close out episode number 262, we are, have one bit of feedback we need to get to. Uh, and this is from Ed, who has many call signs. <laughs> uh, he is a GAGLM, VK2JI, and DD5LP. Well, he's very special. Uh, and Ed says, hey, guys, I... Quick comment to this week's podcast, and he's talking about episode 257 in this case. Um, the piece you took from the AWRL about Yoda events, they seem to, they seem to mix up IARU region one and two. 
Uh, region one is where all the youth activity has been happening over the last five to six years, which is like Europe and Africa and the Middle East and IARU region two is the Americas, which is just starting to get involved. And I think that's what we said. I like to think so. I didn't actually go back and listen to it. But even if the ARRL got it wrong, I think we got it wrong. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I think we made that distinction of the different regions and stuff like that. And I think most of the activities we've been seeing with the uh, youth on the air uh, ha- has been sending kids to South Africa and other places, not not actually doing uh, Yoda events here in the U.S. Beyond you know the the normal collegiate events, you know, school club roundups and whatnot. Yeah. So all right. So just to be clear, in case anyone doesn't already know this, IARU Region One, Europe, Africa. <laughs> IARU Region Two Americas. So there we go. America. Uh, yes, it has been America. America. It has been picking up in this part of the world, <laughs> i.e., the Western world, the Americas. That's where it's it's coming into its own. It's been in IARU Region One for some time now. So yeah, there's there's all so right, many of the, us here that nobody really cares to have special activations in the U.S. That's why we send all our youth to to these remote locations so that they can be on the end of a, a DX line. Right. Absolutely. Because I mean, I think. America, at least the United States, probably has by far the most amateurs of, of any place. So um, so with that, I guess we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. So I want to thank uh, the folks who showed up in the chat room tonight. There were a few. We had Doug, K6MXJ, Don, KB2YSI, Jim, 7J1AJH, and Sean, VE6SAR. Uh, thanks for showing up there. And uh, we will have another episode in a week's time where we will do our short topics and our weekender. And then we will have one more episode. It probably won't be an interview episode. It will probably be like a 2018 wrap-up episode where we'll get people together and maybe have a open mumble roundtable kind of thing uh, where we close out the show, and that will be our last recording until 2019. So with that, I guess we're going to go ahead and close this one out. This has been episode number 262 of Linux in the Handshack. I'm Russ, K5TUX, and Cheryl's not here. And I'm Bill, NE4RD73, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of Linux in the Hamshack. LHS is a community-sponsored podcast. Our website is located at lhspodcast.info. You can support the program by visiting the LHS Patreon page of patreon.com stroke LHS podcast or using the contribute link on the website. Get in touch via social media. The show has a presence on Google+, Facebook, Twitter, Discord and YouTube. Or you can drop an email to info at lhspodcast.info or record a voicemail at 1-909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1-909-547-7469. Visit the IRC channel, LHS Podcast, on the Freenode IRC network. Also visit the online merchandise store at shop.lhspodcast.info for fun and fashionable LHS merchandise. Become an ambassador and represent LHS at a Linux convention or ham fest. Email ambassadors at lhspodcast.info or visit the website for details. The podcast is recorded live every Monday night at 8 o'clock p.m. Central Time. Connect to the stream at stream.blacksparrowmedia.net colon 8008 stroke LHS live. Until next time, over and out.
Linux in the Ham Shack in the Linux in the Ham Shack logo are released under a Creative Commons Attribute Non-Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License.